welcome back to Close Up with Aurelia magazine. I'm your host, Kaya. And I'm Amelia. And today we're joined by two incredibly multifaceted and talented individuals. We have Gina Tonic, who is a writer, editor and does some modelling. And we have Chloe Shepherd, who photographs models and also takes beautiful self-portraits and takes photographs of other people too and is a writer. Um, the reason we've got them both on together is because they co-found the fat zine which is amazing and the second issue has just been released is that right yeah yeah amazing so we'll um hear a little bit more about that later in regards to the fat zine but we'd love to get you get to know you both as individuals a little bit better now so um i'll just start with gina with regards to your writing um do you have any favorite pieces that you've written um, I think I always refer to it as my favourite piece, but I wrote one for advice, not last year, but the year before in the summer, about how to have sex with a fat girl. And it just did really well because it was quite funny because it attracted loads of trolls, which was hilarious because I was like, as if this is so offensive to you that people want to have sex with fat people. And then it was just really nice because I got loads of feedback from people being like, oh, I've always looked for something like this online and never found it. And like, just it was a nice balance of like, humour as well as like information and I think it's kind of when I found my niche as like a sex and relationships writer as well as a, a culture writer as well so that's always like my one of my number one pieces that um, I always refer to and then I think my second favourite would probably be when I interviewed Cupcake for Polyester we did it over FaceTime and she was so so nice and I just really really like look up to her so it was just really nice to to do it with someone who I really mm. like I guess. It's funny that you laugh at getting trolls because, like, I just couldn't imagine being able to deal with that. <laughs> um, how are you? How are you able to laugh it off? Um, I think it's one of those ones where if you don't laugh, you cry. So you just kind of have to pick um, one of the sides. And everyone's always like, "Oh, you're quite a strong person for dealing with it." But I can't imagine not not being able to take it on the chin. I guess, but. Um, I think if it's just knowing that you can get under someone's skin so much just by existing and they're the ones who are at the end of the day leaving negative comments on a social media post but I'm the one getting paid to write the article so who's really winning at the end of the day (laughs) (laughs) it's so true that you say you get attacked just for existing that's so emblematic of social media especially um for fat people but um just to go back a little bit so you're from wales aren't you and you're living in manchester now yeah how long have you lived in manchester for and what what led to that decision um i've lived in manchester for about eight years now so i came here for university originally um it was quite funny to be honest because i kind of I was going to go to Bristol because it's near from where I'm from. And then my mum was like, no, you need to go to some other open days. Like, I'm not letting you just make this decision. Went to Manchester, literally only saw Oxford Road, went for like tea at footage and then was like oh my god I'm gonna to move to Manchester <laughs> moved up here was in halls and everyone was like oh we're going to town today I was like we live in town and they were like no like city centre I was like is this not the city centre <laughs> and then <laughs> I was like so like little like girl from a tiny village mindset but I just stuck around after uni like it wasn't really an op well it was kind of an option to move on but I just was didn't feel like it was the right decision for me to do both as like an adult and like as a creative so I've just always been like a city girl. So here I am. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Chloe, have you spent much time in Manchester? Um, I think I've actually only been a couple of times. One of them was um, when I was younger, I used to be quite fanatic about certain musicians and bands. And uh, Twin Peaks were playing in Manchester 
on like their little UK tour. So I went up there. I got like a mega bus that took hours, and it was actually like, one of the best nights I think I've ever had because it ended up being uh-huh. so. I met these two girls after the show, and then ended up spending like the rest of the night with them. And we went back to their halls, and it was just so much fun. When I literally thought I was going to have the most boring evening. Um, but it is somewhere I want to visit more. I just, I mean, because of everything going on at the minute, obviously we haven't been able to, but um, I think that was the last time I was in Manchester. But, yeah. And then, um, so how did you and Gina meet? Did you meet via the internet? We met through Ioni Gamble, who runs Polyesterzine. I think that would have been how we met. Um, I think we must have met at the first issue launch that I went to which was issue five because I did the layout for that issue um of polyester but I think that was the first time wasn't it Gina I don't know yeah it sounds about right that's kind of how I've met everyone in like kind of the publishing industry is through polyester like Ione's made such a great community and platform um and then me and Chloe just kind of got on and then we're just like it's kind of funny like I quite like how the internet works because you meet someone at a party and you might not even say like four words to them but then you follow them online then you follow each other and you end up making like a really good friendship and at the in the real life moment you might not have even spoken to each other might have just seen each other in like the bog queue or whatever but Mm. we just kind of like developed a friendship and kind of like a kinship I guess both of being like fat female creatives um online oh it is it's so amazing actually like the internet has so many negative aspects to it but that is such a lovely one um did you always want to be a writer yeah i um and my mum always pisses herself because when I was little, my brother was like, I'm going to be a dentist when I grow up because they make loads of money. And I was like, well, I'm going to be an orthodontist, so I'll make loads of money, but I'll also write a book. And my mum was like, that's not what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, that's the best thing i've ever heard yeah um it's been literally since day dot i wanted to do i always thought box and then i did creative writing at uni and then in the second year um the summer after that i was like i need to do like an internship or something and i did one for this really like naff women's mag in manchester called viva but i feel like every creative in manchester's like done an internship there or something like that <laughs> um and then we did that <laughs> Um, and just really, really liked like the world of writing, and kind of realised that writing didn't have to necessarily be books and prose. I realised I could be just as creative doing um, non-fiction work, and then I just kind of got into it from there. So you do a lot of journalism, don't you? And like you said, it's often pieces that really um, engage people. Most of the time when I see people engaging with your work, rightly, they're saying how amazing it is, but you do attract those trolls, um, which you've already said you don't really give a shit about, which is just brilliant. But um, Chloe, I know that you're a writer too, and it's sometimes less journalistic, more shorter pieces. How long have you been doing that for? Yeah, well, I mean... um... I've always written, just never shared it. But when I was younger, it was always just more, like, stuff we'd get set in class, but I would always take it one step too far. Like, we'd get set chapters to write, and I'd end up... I didn't really have many friends in school, and so in my breaks and on my lunches, I remember just spending all of my time in the ICT suite. And, like, if we had to write one chapter, I would then write the rest of the book. And I can't remember where I used to get these illustrations from, but it was like... Um, you know Star Doll, those pages where you dress the dolls? It was those oh, sort of yeah. things. I completely forgot about that. And it was like that, but like a better version where they then would get placed in scenes after. So I'd then create imagery for these like weird 
I don't even know what they are. Well, I I do remember the theme was always kind of love, but um, obviously very naff 11-year-old uh, writing. But more recently, I just started to... Basically, I have like a Google Doc open on my laptop all the time and any time that I want to... Um, that I feel like I have something to get out, I just add it to that, which is helpful, but then not helpful when you've got like 30,000 words to try and find something good in that's just been like my random scribbles. Um, But then I started typewriting them out, bits that I particularly liked or felt that I wanted to share. And so I think I started sharing those online like maybe last year or the year before. Um, but then since then I haven't really shared as much like I've kept a lot of my work well I haven't really been creating much that's probably why but kept a lot to myself Um, but I think I don't know I need to figure out where I actually want to hone in with writing and stop just like letting my stream of consciousness just like flood out everywhere because it isn't um, you know it isn't clear what I'm trying to get across so yeah I need to figure that out this year And did you say, so the first time you put it out, you know, to the world was last year? I think it would have been last year or maybe the year before. I just started putting up, like, essays and things like that. Yeah, how did it feel to kind of get it out from a Google Doc onto, um, you know, out out in the real world? How does that feel? Because I've got so many ramblings on the notes in my phone and I'd be, like, so mortified if anyone found it. Oh, yeah. But it must be quite liberating to actually... um, to to kind of get it out there yeah I mean I think it was a a progression from having a positive response to work that I'd share of myself like I until I was maybe 21 I never actually photographed myself it was always other people I was photographing um and then as I sort of became more vulnerable on the internet I suppose um people responded well and reached out to me and even just getting one comment that was like oh, this is what I needed to read right now, or just, like, one positive thing makes you feel like, okay, this isn't for nothing. Um, but then also it's it's double-edged because more recently I've sort of been retreating back into myself and regret some of the stuff that I've shared, I suppose, because once it's out there, you don't know who screenshotted it. It's you don't know there. who's... Yeah, mm. you literally have no idea where it's gone. Um but I think at the minute that's just like my own internal battle with like social media that I just need to figure out. But I would encourage you to to definitely share your stuff because you just never know who it might impact. And like going from your Google Notes onto Instagram or wherever else you want to put it, like it is scary. But also you've you must have read someone's work that really impacted you and thought, wow, that's amazing. And they've probably also had that train of thought about not wanting to share it. So it's just knowing that like, it is a good thing to do (laughs) yeah so interesting that you bring that up because one of the first things I self-published when I was younger was a piece about losing my virginity at a young age and I felt like I was really ready for it to be out but I also didn't really know who I was as a writer yet um and then I had like loads of shame for putting it out there and felt like I shouldn't have written it um so I kind of like removed it off as any traces of me even though it was published eventually by somebody else and somebody reached out not long ago saying that they found it helpful so you're so true you're so right about how there's that conflict um but for what it's worth I think so much of your work that I've read on Instagram is incredibly moving and evocative because a lot of it's personal isn't it well the majority of it is yeah um yes and I think you're really talented I think you both are um 
Gina, sorry, I also meant to say um, the modelling work that you've done is amazing. The pictures are so incredible. Do you have a favourite modelling job that you've done? And just to make this a double question, I find it really difficult to present myself as a writer and a model at the same time. Um, I don't know why, I'm still working that out. But how do you find that? Um, I've only done like a few things, so I don't know how, if I'm just being grand when I call myself a model, but um, I really liked um, doing the shoot with Megan Winstone, the Lily of the Valley one, it, it ended up on It's That Nice That, and it's kind of like what I use a lot of the time um, for like imagery and stuff if I need to provide it. Um, it was just really nice working with her because she's... Welsh as well she's literally from like the next town over there I'm from we kind of like connected through the internet again and both as like fat women so that was just really like nice to just go around like my hometown and take pictures and like stand on top of a mountain and scream and in all these gorgeous clothing but like coming back to like Wales as like an adult rather than like how I obviously perceived it as a child um but I think I think it is so beneficial as a writer to have like a public image and have like um uh, a presence online that's not just like you're writing like people especially with like the way that social media is and like with the influencer industry it pays in leaps and bounds to to have that like kind of like backup not backup but like alongside your work that you you are multifaceted um your image and I feel like a lot of people kind of see writing as like better or more important than maybe image making or there's like these hierarchies in it and I kind of see them as like the same thing and I think especially with fatness like visual language is so much more revolutionary like visual representation can do so much more for people than necessarily reading something and relating to it but both of them can help people and I feel like people will benefit from either or and it's not fair to exclude people who benefit maybe from visual representation more than written representation and vice versa so doing both I've found I found benefits from doing both because um they reach people in different ways I guess Mm. that leads on really well to the fact Chloe that your main your main job is being a photographer and you've achieved so much with this you've got like amazing series of exhibitions and all your photographs are just so beautiful. Um, this is probably a really annoying question, but I have to ask, do you have a favourite photograph or a favourite series of photographs that you've ever taken? Ooh, um, I mean, it isn't an annoying question at all. It's, I'm just the most indecisive person ever and find it hard to choose at the best of times. Um, I think any photograph that I would have taken to be a favourite at the minute... Um, or just where I am right now, is probably, like, personal photographs that I've taken of, like, friends and family, because those are the ones that, at the minute, I look back on the most and, like, try to relive or um, look at to remember that life is actually, you know, somewhat worth living, whereas a lot of my work, obviously, is contrived sort of fashion photography where there isn't a set message behind it always, I don't know, I don't think I can actually give an answer, which is really shit, I'm sorry. but It's not, it's a good thing, I think. I think, yeah, at the minute, I guess my favourites, I would say, are like personal photos to me of friends and family and people that, you know, that I've loved and stuff like that. Um, because that is what, to me, photography is becoming more about. At the beginning, it was more... It's always obviously been a form of expression, self-expression, but... 
the older I get, I feel like photography becomes more of this attachment to me that's me trying to remember everything going on around me and trying to sort of carve out my life with photography, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I'm glad you said that because I find your self-portraits to be so incredibly powerful. Um, is there a certain message that you want to achieve with your work or are you just happy for it to speak for itself? Well, I think with my self-portraiture, when I first started doing that, I was, yeah, I think I was like 21, 22. Um, and at the time, the message was more, I just had got tired of writing myself out of my own life, I suppose. Well, not writing, but like not photographing myself and essentially erasing myself out of my own life because of that. Like I realised... I think I just had a, a moment where I realised that if people looked at all the photographs I'd taken with my cameras, not on my phone, there wouldn't be a single one of me and people would have this, you know, big series of all the people I'd met and shot and stuff like that, but then there was nothing to remember me by, which maybe sounds quite vain in a way, but I was also just... It kind of was like a turning point where I realised if I didn't start shooting myself and becoming accepting of the fact that I am fat and not waiting until I'm you know 25 30 or whatever till I've lost weight to then start shooting myself that mm. just seemed silly because then I was going to be that age I was going to be 30 and then look back and think oh I have nothing to remember being 21 by like and I'm never going to be 21 again so um I think yeah I think my self-portrait just just started as a way of like acceptance and I suppose because I am fat, posting those images just mm. has the message of, like, if you're fat, it's completely fine to be fat and to celebrate that in a way. Um, mm. So I guess that would be, yeah, that would be a message. It's a beautiful message. I think it's that whole thing with being fat where you think you, you, you spend your whole life going, oh, well, when I'm thin, I'll do this, and when I'm thin, I'll do this, and it's you just stop yourself living your life because you have this distant goal of thinness. And it's not realistic because even if you did eventually achieve that, all your problems aren't going to go away and your insecurities. And most people who have gone from being fat to being thin will say they still have those those insecurities. Um, but literally so much of, I feel like the fat experience is wishing your life away, being like, oh, I'll do this when I'm, I'm this size or when I'm old, I'll be this size. And it's been really hard for me, especially as like a woman with an eating disorder, that I, I've literally had, used to have feelings being like, oh, if I ever reach this weight, I'll kill myself or I'd always be like oh if I ever look like this I'd kill myself and it's really hard to reckon with now that I've reached surpassed those goals by quite a few stone and I have to look at myself and remember that I used to have those feelings of such self-loathing about myself at a time when I was probably so much more skinnier it's so weird like such a weird complex to think about yeah I think that's a really important point to make especially about you know when you achieve goals that you set up on yourself, it's rarely your own goals. It's what society is, without sounding incredibly cliched, it's what society is telling you. And it doesn't matter, you know, society is always going to be there. Um, would you say that you feel powerful in front of the camera now? Definitely. I think um, it's hard, though, because you'll get slip-ups. Like, you'll, your friends will take, like, disposable pictures of everyone and then you'll see maybe yourself at an angle that you don't usually see yourself and be like, wow, I really have a Hank Hill ass, don't I? Um, but then, <laughs> but then, like you just, I think you grow more from seeing those things. And I think I'm never going to look back on my life and be like, "Wow, I have too many pictures of myself looking drop dead gorgeous when I was 24." I'm never going to do that. Like I always think that when people are yeah. like, 
kind of make, make come for like my Instagram or whatever saying that I'm vain I'll be like well I don't want to look back at my life and think that I don't have enough images I don't have enough pictures and I don't I can't imagine anyone saying wow I've got too many pictures of myself looking bloody gorgeous don't I so <laughs> <laughs> I think it's nice and I, I definitely find empowerment from from documenting my image as I get older and I think in the same way Chloe said like you you want to have these archives to look back at yourself and not only that that other people can look at them and and think wow like I think that image is so beautiful and I look like her so why don't I see myself as beautiful and I think like I made the decision to stop following thin people on Instagram unless they're really really cool (laughs) but mainly like I'll just follow any fat person (laughs) Um, and just having a feed that's majority fat people it's revolutionary and I think it really it really stands to show that why representation is so important but the power of making space for yourself is just so amazing isn't it like just to think who gives a fuck what (laughs) anyone else thinks like I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna have beautiful photos of myself exactly it's like I just feel like everyone should be at that place (laughs) it's amazing I think it is so obviously you have a joint project together the fat scene mm-hmm. which is incredible it really is thank you uh, how long did it take you to put put it together it kind of varies so like it's been weird because we've made both publications during lockdown when we did the first one we were both kind of like oh and then we'll do the second one and we won't be in lockdown anymore and we can meet up and we can like organize these shoots and stuff and then it rolled around the time when we had to start thinking about it and we're like fucking hell um <laughs> sorry i probably shouldn't be serious um and then this one like we both had like um some quite like personal tragedies happen in the run up to this one so we kind of had to postpone it for a month as well um but it it it, it takes us like we put out i think probably about three months would be like my guesstimate for how long it takes because we kind of open up submissions give people about six weeks to submit then we have to go through them contact people then we've got to put it together order them and now i've got 1000 zines sat at my house and to package up this weekend mm. um so from like idea like thinking it of what we're going to do to actually getting them sent here to be able to send out i'd say roughly about three months but we can probably put it together in less time if we were both a bit more organized maybe it's such an achievement can you give us an insight into what led you to create it it probably seems self-explanatory but what was the what was the process? Like, did you just message each other and say, we need to do this, or why Why did you do it? It was pretty much Gina's original idea, I think in, like... Well, I think it had been an idea of yours for ages, um, hadn't it, Gina? And then yeah. we did an article together, or I think it was an article for Bustle or something in, like, 2016, maybe 2017. Um, and Gina had mentioned about doing like a fat only publication and we sort of hadn't really said much else about it um and then um a couple of years later we sort of brought back the idea um and started talking about doing it together and then because of coronavirus and the pandemic and everything happening we both had the time to sort of dedicate you know days and weeks to it so I think it was April last year we finally started getting going on it and like made the account and decided on a name and then opened up submissions and it sort of has like just been since then yeah it's kind of just it's kind of led its own way really um yeah I think it was it was just um 
lockdown and me and Chloe were both like bored or want to come up with like a project I think Chloe put up a story being like I need something to like focus on and then I was like in between I was kind of like just deciding whether to go freelance or like try and find a job because I'd left my old job and then I was supposed to get a new job and they were like sorry no job for you anymore the day before lockdown I was like great thank you um and then <laughs> we um so I had all this spare time I was enjoying looking into freelance again so Chloe's story was kind of like well should we just go for it and she was like well yeah maybe we should and we have and we did and it's you and it's great god that's like there's something to say about actually wanting to do a project and then doing it and seeing the finished product like I just find that so inspiring yeah I think if it wouldn't have been for Gina motivating like being very motivational and having another person that you work on something with helps all of my personal projects from the last year have completely fell flat because I just haven't like bothered to go through with them but having someone if you do a project with someone it's much more likely I think to get off the ground and get to that final step where you see the product in your hands because you have someone to hold you accountable for like you know putting in time that you should be putting in I'm such a, a Virgo with it that I'm like come on we need you have this by, done by you and then we need this done by now and then we need this done by now have you done this so I'm probably quite annoying to know um from that side of it but it, it works well as like a team I think like if ebbs and flows we take like turns like when we're both like emotionally viable to do stuff and have the time so it's worked out as a good partnership I think and I definitely agree like doing something as a pair is so much better than having to try and make it all happen on your own yeah I definitely agree with that and it's been covered by so many different outlets uh, and as you say so many people submitted to it proving that you've filled a gap that so many people really wanted to be filled um was the reception all that you expected or was it better than you expected <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I was waiting to see if Gina was going to talk and then <laughs> I guess she was doing the same um I think it was it was better we sold a lot more copies of issue one than we expected really um because when it's like it's difficult to know how people's support is going to translate out of social media because it's very easy to like something and comment on something but then actually spending money and or like even just going on a website that isn't Instagram is like a level of support that just not everyone shows because we've become a very Instagram consuming uh, society so it's been amazing really just how many people have um, how many people have like engaged with it and shared pictures of their issues and stuff so it's it's yeah been a lot better than we'd hoped I think yeah, it's been a lot more positive than I expected I thought we were gonna get a lot more shit but we did we did but we haven't got, got like any trolls which is amazing a few when we did the days thing we had a few when we did the days oh thing. yeah um but on like our own platform not really, more than anything we've had kind of like debates within the community about how we should approach fatness which has been really enlightening but other than that, it's kind of been more, po- yeah, wholly positive experience, really. Oh, that's amazing. That's what we want. Yeah, it? true. And, of course, the second issue uh, is out now, very recently. Um, just so people know, where can they find you and where can they buy it from if they're hearing about you for the first time? I buy it from thefatzine.com, um, which is all, like, linked on all our social media. We're all called at the Zine on everything. And then we've had, like, a few stockists. I think there's one in Canada one in Dublin and then one in London who are taking some issues of issue one and issue two. So we'll probably end up doing a list of stockists 
online as well. So if people wanted to go into a shop when shops are open and get one for themselves, um, they'll be able to do that. So inspiring, isn't it? I know. We love you. <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> we just got so carried away with that chat. Um, <laughs> so we're going to spin the wheel and ask a couple of questions. Yes. I'll spin it first. This, I say this every time, but it's my favourite bit. And we've got number eight. <laughs> Ooh. When was the last time you tried something new? That's a good question. Maybe like I think last month my mate, my, my mate made me have a bite of kiwi and I've never had it before because I've got like a really funny like thing with like textures. <laughs> like I'm really weird with like textures and certain foods and stuff. And she was like, just try it, and it was horrible. So I learned my bloody lesson, didn't I? <laughs> you didn't like it? No, I've, I've got this phobia of food that like bursts and like really like specific textures. So, like <laughs> once once I stood on like a cherry in an Aldi and was crying my eyes out, like it really freaks me out. Like put me near a cherry tomato, I'm just gonna leave the room. And um, it kind of has like. Like fed into like fruits as well like the texture of fruit and like how squishable they are um uh, so yeah i tried like a, she like got wow. it out of the thing and like a little spoon and was like put it in your mouth and i was like mm, enough for me but my mom's very like savory <laughs> she's very been like a vegetable kind of woman so i feel like i might have inherited it off her well i'm glad that you at least tried it if not only so you <laughs> so you had something to say <laughs> <laughs> what about you chloe the thing i've tried most recently that's new I've tried to grow tulips inside on my windowsill um, instead of outside because I don't have a garden in this flat that I've moved into. So I've, I brought some um, like ready set bulbs from a garden centre and everyone was like, they won't grow on your window, but they are. And I'm looking at them now and like the tulips are f- like almost so ready now to cut. And Aww. so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> That's so nice. beautiful. That really cheered me off. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> They're both good. Um, oh, God. I always ask these questions and then I think... And then well, it come, comes to, to you, it's like, fuck, yeah. what have I done? I mean, as a, you know, sort of a blanket answer, cooking. I mean, when we met, you know that I, when, when I viewed the roof of the house and we were just talking, I was just like, I can't cook. It was just something that, like, I tried to tell everyone because I was always really embarrassed about it, but I was like, at least if I own it, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been cooking a lot and I actually, you know... I'm, I'm that pasta you made last night—it's yeah. so amazing. I mean, I'm, I think I'm doing quite well. Every time I cook now, it counts as something new because <laughs> every recipe is the first, the first time. <laughs> You're cool. like, whoa! Yeah, and do you know what? I feel much more like an adult now. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. What about you? Do you have anything? Uh, I was trying to think because um, <laughs> I've really not done much. But I did. Um, do you remember when I got really obsessed with making candles? Yes. <laughs> They were amazing. They weren't kind of. You're a good one. friend, but. Oh, God, that bubble one was yours. Let's just show them for context. Can I have How one? That was actually. Amelia made this. Oh, that is cute. Wow. That is good. That, that's that's probably the best one. People sell those on Instagram for like 20 quid. I know um, they do. <laughs> and they cost like nothing to make. It's crazy. You can get them old on Amazon. Um, yeah, so maybe that's my new thing, but I haven't I haven't done that in a while. I was going to be a candle maker for a bit. What flavour is it? It smells of honey. Ooh. Oh, is it a honey one? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was pretty intense, though. There was, <laughs> there was a full week, and any time he tried to get in the kitchen, Amelia was just, like, furiously <laughs> melting wax oh, no. on the hob. But, like, scolded hogs and, like, <laughs> face. It was horrible. It was oh, very hot. Wow. Right, okay, well, I'm proud of us all. I'm trying to think of yeah. I'm going to spin spin this wheel spin it okay number six another low number number six uh what's the best gift you have ever received um i think this one's really cute but it's a bit like 
cringe, but my um my boyfriend whom with now when we first started, he's really like just the most like sweet, kind person ever. Um, and obviously, like, I'm Welsh. Don't know if I mentioned it. Um, but in Wales, there's, like, this, um, like, ancient tradition of called love spoons, where, like, in olden times, um, if a man wanted to get with a woman, he'd, like, carve a spoon out of wood, and it'd be called a love spoon. It would have, like, a heart at the top, and then it'd have, like, intricate details in it. So, it, like, if it had, like, three crosses, it would mean that's how many kids he wanted to have with her, and then he'd, like, present it to her as, like, an act of, like, starting dating. And then when he asked me out, he actually got me, like, a little... Um, um, love spoon necklace charm thing um, and give it to me like when he asked me out and it was just so like cute that he'd like listen to me um, ramble on about like my heritage and stuff like that and then like put it into action for like the actual dating so I think it's like probably one of the most thoughtful presents I've ever gotten me and Amelia just just melted as like, <laughs> literally yeah, dissolved I was clutching my well. chest I can't I really can't handle stuff but that's <laughs> cute do you know when someone really proves that they they know that they're making an effort to really know you. Yeah, definitely. I don't think, I don't think anything really compares to that. <laughs> so it gives you something like I know you. Like I've listened to who you are. I get yeah, it. I know you inside out. Here's this, this representation. It's just absolutely fucking heartbreaking, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and it would have just been something that I would have said like off the cuff once, and it just shows that he's like listened to everything that I've said. And like put it into action. Oh, oh my god, shit guy, we need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to get him on the podcast. How do you do it? Uh, what about you, uh, Chloe? I mean, I. I'm one of those people that, uh, you know, for birthdays and Christmas, like my family don't really get me gifts anymore. They just either ask what I want or I'm getting to the mm. point where I'm too old to sort of like engage in, like, this is what I want for my birthday. Um, but for Christmas this year, actually, my mum got me a ring um that I hadn't asked for it was like a total surprise and um so I would probably say that because like I don't think I've ever really been given a this is going to sound really bad if somebody has got me a thoughtful gift and now I'm forgetting it but like I don't think I've ever had like a personal gift or like like what you were all just talking about the like you know someone knowing you sort of thing um I'm just coming out of a relationship now and it made me think how he hadn't really ever done anything like that. And I was like, oh, that's a bit sad. Um, Mm. But I think I would probably say, yeah, the ring that my mum got me for Christmas because it was so... I'm really picky with jewellery and things like that, but it just was perfect. And I was like, okay, you've smashed it and I love this ring. (laughs) Yeah, do you know what, right? My ex-relationship was so shit. And one of the things that made me realise how shit it was is hearing... We were having a different conversation. I think it was on TV or something, and they were talking about, you know, how their partner had, you know, listened... Like, and it sounds so fucking simple, but, like, actually listened. Mm. And the gifts that they got reflected that, pretty much similar to what we were just saying. And I realised that nothing had, like that had ever come up in our relationship, which spanned years. And I was just like... That was actually one of the things that, like, pushed me to leave, which at the time felt selfish, but it's not. It's and so. I think that if you actually do... You know, not everybody wants to be in a relationship, but if you do want to find that person that will respond to who you are, like, you will find them. I really believe that. Um, but, yeah, there's... Yeah, looking back and realising that somebody never really... <laughs> never really hit that. It's yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, it's difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, what about you? Uh, the best gift I've ever got is either... Similar to you, Chloe, a ring that my boyfriend made me. Who's for? 
And there were all his family like, you get married, you get married. <laughs> Oh, the gift I got myself, which was my cat. Oh, oh, don't! I'm I want a cat so badly, and every time someone talks about one, Gina hears it every time we have a meeting because Gina has a lovely little black cat called Mosh, and every time I see her, I'm like, I want my one. Oh, so cute! I don't know if they're here, but oh. this morning. Was party was, waking you up at 6 a.m.? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, I'm yeah. in such, such a weird mood day because I'm so tired. Because <laughs> he wake me up at 6 half It six. is a sacrifice. They do, they do steal your, your rest. Um, oh, God, now I just can't stop thinking about cats. <laughs> I meant to be thinking about gifts. Um, okay, but... but well, I mean, me, my mother bought me some flowers. Oh. I'll show you them. She bought me some flowers and so they arrived cute. yesterday. I like the they're in two bunches. Um, yeah, they're beautiful. And I just felt, um, I just felt moved and appreciated. It was a fucking just lovely moment. <laughs> I really had tears in her eyes. I actually did. <laughs> It was, it, a lot. Was it was a lot. It was a lot. as a prize and like people always see flowers oh. as a cliche, but when you get them, you're like, oh, I feel so. Okay. that's all I would ever want for a present is flowers I feel like I should actually change my answer now because uh, one of my best friends Jen sent me flowers <laughs> uh, I think it was last week or the week before um, just because you know times are tough um, and they brightened up my day so much and they're still mm. alive they're still I mean they're, they're you know kind of petals mm. dropping off but they're still very full and colourful so they're still on my living room table at the minute that's exactly what they do, isn't it? We were saying when, when you just have to look at them and you instantly feel better. Probably yeah. the same with the tulips that you grow in. Like it's just yeah, really flowers like you yeah. I don't know if you do this. You probably do. You strike me some on the wood, Chloe. But I, when they're starting to die, I always at least try and press one of them. In a book yeah, I think I've gone a bit of a step further. Like I've started to try and paint them as they're dying. So like <laughs> at the minute, I've got loads of like unfinished canvases of bouquets of dying flowers because they've died and got too gross that I've had to throw them out and now I'm like okay but I still need to finish this painting so how do I how do I now finish this that's gorgeous such a lovely idea love it should we go to the next question I think we should right we've got 34 <laughs> okay um what do you wish you had more time for oh I guess it's not really a matter of time for me I think I just wish I had more money to do stuff like travel and things like that like yeah I think yeah like like the, t- the thing like time is money is, is is true but I think it's more true in the opposite sense where it's like if you've got money you've got more time because you have the ability to do more with your time because you can afford mm-hmm. it that's so true is there a word for someone who hates Tories really fundamentally disagrees with capitalism <laughs> but really wants to be rich that's me <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. God. Um, Chloe, what do you wish you had more time for? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the last year has like made me realise I actually have a lot more time on my hands than I make use of. But I think, I think I don't, I don't really need more time. I need more, more energy maybe and more whatever the fuck could get me out of the depression that I've been in for however long. That would give me, you know, then I could utilise the time that I actually do have. So, if I was, I don't know, there isn't a simple answer to that question. No, there really isn't. I think, like, the pandemic has definitely shown everyone, like, you've got all this time and then you've got people online who have, like, mastered, like, 40 crafts and are making rugs and candles and magazines. Yeah. And then other people... I'm still watching the same TV show that I was watching last March. Like, I literally haven't watched anything else. (laughs) I spent, um, I literally spent, like, about 
two months just playing phone games and being like addicted to TikTok and stuff. And in the meantime, my mum's like made about a hundred loaves of bread. So you're like, yeah. <laughs> motivation is more what I wish I had more of. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I've got I've got a really really high score on Woody Puzzle. <laughs> Never even heard of that. What, what does it consist of? I don't even want to tell you because if I tell you, you, get addicted to it. I told all my family and they're like, "What just got on Woody Puzzle today?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> wow. God, I really always just wish I could be in two places at once or had more brain capacity because I want to be engaged with the news, but it. It really upsets me and makes me angry. I want to be dedicating all my time to Aurelia, but I'm still work on it voluntarily, so I need to be doing other things to make money. And I also just want to be like engaging with people that I love, but I can't do all of these things and be the person that I want to be at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm struggling with that so much at the minute. That I last sentence is so hard. wish I could teleport. It's so hard. It's really hard. I think if I had more time i would like to have like just an extra day to do all the stuff that i fucking hate doing <laughs> so because it's all the stuff that i hate doing like um like cleaning <laughs> and uh like exercising or you know whatever horrible shit they all just get pushed to one side so if i had like one day that if imagine if we all just had a three-day weekend like one day to you know, get fucked and, and see me. <laughs> one day to be hungover, one day to get your shit done. Yeah. yeah. But it wouldn't work like that, though. It would then be, like, three day a three-day bender and then <laughs> yeah. doing all of yeah. that stuff for the last day and being like, oh, fuck, yeah. why have I done this? Yeah. It's like, so ah, it's Monday true. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. Have you seen all those memes going around at the moment? Sorry to bring up memes. We are adults. Um, <laughs> that are, like... That like you know, I put things off t- to the last minute, and then I finally do them, and they only take me five minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that is me, like oh, down don't. to the <laughs> ground. It, it'll like be two weeks. It'll be of me thinking about it every day, and it really stressing me out, and being like, I can't face it, I can't face yeah. it, and I do it, and it takes five minutes. I'm like, well done. Yeah, well it's done, so soul destroying that when that happens. But at least you did it. It's always like stupid shit yeah. as well. I just wish I was better at being like, okay, I need to do this, so just do it. Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. Me too. Or, or the meme where. Um, you know where you're like, I'm so fucking busy, got shit to do. And then, like, the girl, and she's got her hand in the pool, and she's, like, looking at <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Right, okay, let's spin for the last time, I think. Let's, oh. Okay, high number, thank you. 136. Oh, okay, damn. great. Um, it, the question is, what is your favourite word? Oh, I always cringe myself out with this because in uni, in our first, like, fucking seminar, they were like, they asked us this. And obviously, being a fucking 18-year-old gobshite, I said the word cunt. And then um, I was like, <laughs> really embarrassingly, like, oh, that is the, such the cringest, like, answer ever, isn't it? And then I look back at it like, <laughs> why did I do that? You know, oh. I don't care. I'm going to say cunt. <laughs> like, me, it. you guys oh. all say really cool on my pack onomatopoeic words mine is cunt because i'm cool (laughs) i love it probably yes it's a good word though it it really does get the point across and that's all you can want from a word isn't it it's a powerful word i really like it because i think in like scotland is the same thing but in wales it's not really like 
a swear word is like it is in England. Like my mum's English, and she always flips. Like if I say it, she's like, oh, like a shot, like a fucking dog or something. But <laughs> if, um, but in Wales, like you just call each other it. So I thought I find it quite funny how different the word is perceived across the border. I guess. Um, I'm trying to think of words, other words are like. I know there's a word I hate, but I can't think of words that I'm like, oh, I love using that. It's great. What's a word that you hate? I hate, like, voluptuous, all that. Mm. I hate mm. said when people put in stuff being like, he said, she said. I'm like, just Google it in I think as, like, an editor, like, I've got, like, certain <laughs> words where I'm like, oh, don't use that. And then I know mm. that it sounds like personal personal choice but at the same time I'm like yeah well I'm in charge so it's your choice but don't yeah yeah you can choose to use that you can use that but I'm judging you for it Chloe do you have a favorite word I remember being asked this actually when I think I was at my A levels it was like our first day um on our English lit course but I think I said something really depressing like melancholy or something because that I do love that word but recently I was in Sainsbury's and me and my ex were looking at nuts um, to buy and desiccated <coughs> coconut was at the top. And I just love that word desiccated. But then I realised how similar it sounds to defecated and was like, OK, I need to not have that as my favourite word because <laughs> even like even on the podcast recording now, it probably sounds a lot like defecated, but I am saying... I thought that's what you said, to be honest. No, no. <laughs> desiccated coconut, like two S's. Oh, right, OK. But I need okay. to, I definitely need to change that because, yeah, it's hard to get across on a, I feel on like a, the English language is just so confusing. Mm. Oh, it is, isn't it? Even to me, as a native speaker. Everyone always kind of, like, refers to the word kutch for, like, Welsh stuff, and I think they say it loads, like, Gavin and Stacey and stuff, which is nice, it just kind of, like, means cuddle. But there's one called hiraith, and it means, like, nostalgia, but, like, specifically for home, like, home, basically, like, homesickness, Aww. but, like, a deep sense of, like, um, like, longing for, like, home and, like, the feeling of, like, a longing for a home that kind of, like, you can't return to, I guess. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I always feel like that about, about loads of, like... T- time t- time periods I've had where like oh you know, like that bit in the office where he's like why can't they tell you that you live in the good old days while you're in them oh yeah and it just kind of like mm. encapsulates that so I think that's probably my favorite word that's so beautiful what can you repeat it please it's called hiraith it's h-i-r-a-e-t-h oh. that's just like giving me such goosebumps it's <laughs> <laughs> gorgeous um Lowering the tone slightly. Um, when I was in school, um, my primary teacher's favourite word was gingerly, and I used to put it Ooh. in all of my work because I knew that she would mark it very well <laughs> as a favourite word. And uh, it's endured. I do think it's good. It's a beautiful word. Yeah, and also, this is so just awful. I wish it wasn't true. But every time I see the word shimmered or shimmering, I just really like it because I feel like it. it does what it... I mean, not not. It's going to sound like I'm trying to explain on a mass or I'm not. But the word shimmer sounds like it shimmers. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why it's a sounding word. It's the the cadence. <clears throat> I like a glisten, glistening, yeah. glimmering. It's just like myth, mm. myth, mythological mm. almost, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but then it reminds me a bit too much of mermaids and H two O that I used to be obsessed with. <laughs> oh, don't please! Oh, mermaids were like my complete obsession. I don't even talk about them anymore because if I get started, <laughs> I just want to stop. I kind of hate them because I can't swim, so I always used to be really bitter about it. Because I had, I had like blue hair in uni, like really long blue hair, and I'd be like, "You're a mermaid," and I'd be like. Oh. 
<laughs> can you still not swim? No, I can't swim. I, I'm like just severely. No, dis- can I? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm dyspraxic, so I can't like swim. I can't skip. I can't jump. I can't ride a bike. I can't swim. I can't like. I can barely walk down the street. It's so annoying. I can't swim, and honestly, like people judge me so hard for it. But what am I supposed to do? No one ever taught me how to swim. Of course, I can't swim. Well, I asked my mum. I asked my mum. I went, why can't? I went, why can't I swim? And she went, oh, well, we asked you and you didn't want to go to lessons. I was like, is it not worth arguing with an eight-year-old so I can have a life skill? <laughs> and she was like, honestly, Gina, it just wasn't worth it. I was like, right, OK, fair enough. Do you know what? Fair fucks, because it's probably really hard to be, like, no, gay swimming. Yeah. Yeah. By the time you get to your third child as well, and I was a little bitch. <laughs> I honestly, every time I think about parenting, I'm just like, how on earth do people do that? Yeah, raise an actual human. Um, do you have a favourite word? No. I've been trying to think of my favourite word and all I've been thinking about is, like, the word I hate the most. Which is? Knickers. <laughs> Why do you hate it? I don't know. I just I just think it's a gross word. I don't know why. <laughs> what do you call them? I used to call them knickers and then I had a moment where I was like, that's actually a horrible word. So now I call them pants. No, pants. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't allow that. Oh, don't say oh, that. Oh, do you know what? that's actually that surpassed knickers that's panties. like my worst word panties i think pants is as good as it gets like i, I need a pair oh, of pants i think that is i'm from manchester so pants are trousers who's got time to say lingerie every day though to be like yeah I i'm just gonna go put my lingerie yeah. on who are you announcing that you put in your lingerie on to is <laughs> <laughs> announcing my lingerie like... sorry one second just gotta pop, pop my lingerie on <laughs> no but like if you have got to say that then if you say now, nah, once I've got to put my pants on, it just and, the flow of that sentence quick. Underwear. I can only. Yeah, I was about to say underwear. What's wrong with that? I, I think I just. I mean, I do say knickers. Sorry, I do. I say that word. If not, I'd probably just say undies. I can't. I can't. Undies. <laughs> I'd say undies or undercrackers. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. Undies. Also, oh, undies, isn't it? I say. Or, yeah. <laughs> I'll say yeah. a thong, like, prefer, I prefer to the actual, gar- like, thong, all minor thongs, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a shoot the other day and a woman was like, have you bought your G-string? And I was like, what? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> G-string? G-string? Is this the early naughty? Literally, I was just like, uh, no, but for a thong. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Wow, what, what a moment to end on, eh? G-strings. Undies. Please. <laughs> they, they named them after me. <laughs> God. Um, thank you both so much for joining. Um, you're amazing. Thanks for having us. The thank, yeah, thank you. Is such oh, thank you. A, an achievement. We love it. You're so inspiring. Um, it was great to talk to you. Oh. So funny as well. Love, love when people bring oh, you Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, everyone, for listening. This was Close Up with Aurelia Magazine. Please do like if you can, share and subscribe, and we'll be back soon. Thank you, Gina and Chloe. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you.